Hello, hello. Welcome to the AC Visions Family Talk Podcast. I'm your host, AC. Here is where we discuss all things faith and family. I share real life stories of home life as a wife, mother of five, home educator, and all the learning curves my family and I are journeying through. As you can imagine, we're in a busy season and I have a lot to share. The goal, getting back to the basics of raising strong families. Let's talk about it. Hello, hello. Welcome to episode 17 entitled The World is Watching. Today, I want to talk about the most important court of opinion we as parents should be concerned about when it comes to raising strong families. It is not the court of public opinion. It's our children. For a brief season of time, they are our world. From the moment they open their eyes in the morning and perk up those satellite dishes on the side of their heads, they are watching, listening, and gathering information <laughs> like Google. <laughs> Their worldview is being shaped. <laughs> Pineapple. Based on the input where they're receiving from their home life, their environment, the relationships around them, the culture, and so much more. If we as parents had a body camera on us 24-7 and our children had a direct feed to view us in real time, What would we be doing differently? The world is watching and I want to share how hubby and I capitalize on the exposure we're getting from the little eyes and ears in our home. Before we jump into that segment of the podcast, let's jump into some AC pearls. AC pearls. Mark chapter 12, 41 to 44. And he sat down opposite the treasury and began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury. And many rich people were putting in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which amount to a cent. Calling his disciples to him, he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributions of the treasury. For they all put in out of their surplus, but she out of her poverty put in all she owned and all she had to live on. Immediately what I appreciate about this passage of scripture is Jesus posted up watching. (laughs) He sat down opposite the treasury and began observing. He was observing what the people were doing. Maybe he was observing people kind of counting their money, you know, in the corner, trying to figure out, okay, I can give this and I can give that kind of negotiating how much or little they wanted to give. And I could just picture Jesus just looking at people, counting their pennies, counting their purses, counting their bags and totally missing the bigger picture, totally missing it. And then here comes this poor widow. And while they're all counting their money and, you know, going through their purses and all that, This poor widow just comes in and it's a no brainer. First of all, she has very little, so there's not much to count. You know, they say with more money comes more problems and more responsibilities and more headaches. And the happiest people in the world are the people that have very little because they have what they need and they don't have to focus and worry about 
dead presidents printed on paper money. And so I just love how Jesus is just posted up just watching this transaction happen. Aw, pineapple. The poor widow comes in. She gives it all. And boom, Jesus turns that into a teaching moment for his disciples. Truly, I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributions of the treasury. More than all the contributions of the treasury. Wow. It just makes me think of, okay, when I read passages like this, Lord, what talents have you entrusted me with? The treasury is God's kingdom. What we do and how we're pouring into God's kingdom, right? Because it's not just about money. God don't collect taxes. (laughs) There is no department of revenue up in heaven. But he is posted up watching us to see what we're doing with our time our talents and the treasures that he's given us. And so I'm automatically going to apply that to my life as a wife and a mommy at home. First of all, I have to think to myself, am I giving my all? If I had to translate that, am I doing my due diligence with my time and the talents that God has given me and applying them diligently to raising my family? Am I pouring into the kingdom work when I teach my children? You know, it's not all about the homeschool and uh, the family activities and uh, the family trips and all that. No. Are they biblically literate? Am I teaching them about God and his kingdom and what what's to come and what our lives can look like presently when we put our faith and our, our trust in him? Has anybody read the story of the poor widow who gave her two small copper coins and thought, why did she even bother to do so? Why, what, what was her faith like? What, what could it have had to be like for her to take the time to leave her home, walk down to the treasury and give the two small copper coins, which amounted to a cent? What would be the purpose of that journey? And what would her what was her faith like to even do that? And I attribute it to her obedience. I attribute it to no matter how much or little she had, she just simply wanted to be obedient and give. Out of all the people that were coming and going in and out of the treasury, how many were coming excited, ready to give of their surplus? How many were coming happy to write that check because they're like, yes, I have it. I've got more than enough and they're feeling great about themselves. They're, they're feeling like they're doing it and they're, they're pleasing God and they're just giving out of their surplus. I wonder if they just went bankrupt or they, they were reduced to what this poor widow had, two small copper coins. I wonder if they would still give what little they had and if they would still be obedient if they didn't have anything to give. So what does Jesus do? Jesus is posted up, remember, just watching everybody. He calls his disciples over and he's like, look at this poor widow. Truly, truly, I say to you, this woman, this widow has put in more, more than all the contributions of the treasury. I love it because everyone wants to give of their surplus. They want to give because they know they have it and they know they've got backup. They know they've got uh, a cushion. They've got a safety net. But how many of us would give when we have nothing? How many of us will still be obedient and 
do what God asks us to do, even when we're bankrupt, even when we're destitute, it seems hopeless and we don't know how we're going to X, Y, and Z with the provisions. Here's an AC Pearl to wrap up the segment. God could care less about the paper money with the dead presidents on it. (laughs) He doesn't care about that. In God's economy, number one, he provides for us out of nothing. He provides for us and he doesn't need paper bills, coins, currency, any of that. He doesn't need it. He provides and it doesn't always make sense, but he can provide and he doesn't need our money. What he wants is our obedience. What he's propped up looking at as he's observing and watching us, he's looking to see what we're going to do with the talents that he has given us with the, the, the measure that he's given to each one of us. And he wants to see if we're going to give of our surplus or if we're going to give it all. (laughs) If we're going to still be obedient when we have little to nothing, a good gauge for me to see and know that I I'm giving my all day by day as a wife and mommy at home is when I lay my head down at night. If I lay down and the mattress soaks up my body (laughs) and I fall asleep quickly and I am exhausted, I know that I have given my all for the day. From the moment that I open my eyes in the morning, I hit the ground running because I just said it with my children. I have a lot of ground to cover. Pineapple. They're only children for a short season of time. And it goes by like, like that, like Thanos (laughs) in a blink of an eye. They're, they're grown and they're gone. And so I understand the urgency of it all. And so every day, no matter how tired I am, how um, energized I am, how enthused I am to do it, I know I got to get it in. I got to get it done. And guess what? I'll rest later. I'll take more vacations later. I'll XYZ later. But for now, I'm in them grinding years. And I have to give my all because guess what? Our children are adults longer than their children. They'll always be our child. But as far as their youth and their childhood, it's only for a brief season compared to if God gives them 80 years. So I got a solid 15, maybe 18 years to pour into them. So every day the clock is ticking and I want to make sure I give my all. At the end of the day, when I'm standing before my Lord and Savior, I want to be able to say I did this, this, this and this for your kingdom, because that's what you put on my heart. And out of obedience, that's what I was doing. Here's an AC Pearl to wrap up the segment. I could have been spending my time and my talents doing a number of different things. And to be fair, I could use the extra, the extra time that I have outside of, you know, raising and pouring into my children. I could just give, I could do the bare minimum with my children and give my, the surplus of my energy and my time, my talents to everything outside of my home. But I choose to give it all <laughs> to the work and ministry of home. Matthew twenty three twenty three says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law justice and mercy and faithfulness. 
But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. AC Talk. The girls are at an age where they're hyper observant and ask a lot of questions. If I'm on a business call, they want to know, Mom, who is that? If I'm opening the mail, Mom, what's that? <laughs> if I'm fixing the toilet, Mom, what does that do? If I'm disciplining Afia, best believe Abigail is right beside her, sucking her thumb, watching and listening very carefully to see what am I doing. If I'm getting on autumn about something, the other three make their way into the room, line up to watch how the drama is going to play out. Disciplining can feel like being in, in front of a live studio audience. When children misbehave in public, there are always nosy bystanders willing to take the time out of their busy day to stop and observe how you handle the situation. Everyone loves a spectacle. There's a court of public opinion. Nowadays, it's automatic for people to take out their cell phones and start recording. Those are the same bystanders who don't mind lingering around to watch how hubby and I do things as a homeschool family. It's like we're an exhibit at the zoo or something. They just stare. <laughs> it used to bother me, but now I know it is very odd because there's a lot of bad kids out there who just misbehave and a lot of parents who just let them misbehave in public and don't do anything. I mean, there are some rotten, rude, and disrespectful kids out there. I tell my children all the time, act out of character at home all you want. But when you get out in the streets, you better behave like you have some home training. Don't be having me on somebody's goofy TikTok reel uh, for, for laughs and clickbait. No, I, <laughs> I'm going to let people know, hey, I, tr I train my kids. So don't be acting like you don't have home training. It's tempting to want to do everything right as a parent because the world is watching, because there's that temptation of somebody pulling out their cell phone to record and capture every little thing that you're doing right and wrong as a parent. Remember the scene in Black Panther when King T'Challa was about to lay, lay hands on Claw <laughs> after that high-speed chase? Nakia stepped out and she said to the king, the world watches. It's equally tempting to refrain from doing the right thing due to the court of public opinion. I mean, a father disciplining his child in public could easily ensue a knock on the door from Child Protective Services because Susie Bystander deemed his actions as hostile and she's worried for the children. Random Randy may video record a mom struggling to calm her children in the parking lot and post it on social media for likes and, and laughs. Parents rightly hesitate to take disciplinary actions outside the home and children know it. Children play their parents like fiddles when they know they can misbehave without consequences because a sweet older lady at the restaurant reminds them of grandma and you know grandmas are they're, they're quick to come in and save the grandbabies because they soften up over the years even though they used to beat the brakes off of you when you were little so hubby and I believe that children and the court of public opinion need real parental moments even when we don't get it right even if it's not perfect it's called life 
Life isn't a dress rehearsal. We don't get do-overs when we goof up. Children need to understand and be comfortable with that reality as early as possible in life. The court of public opinion could also use a reminder from time to time because, okay, case in point. (laughs) Pineapple. Our family drove through the Ozark Mountains, Arkansas, during our homeschool adventure in 2022. Hubby knows I hate, (laughs) I hate getting lost and I don't like driving in the dark. Add the winding roads of mountains known as the Little Grand Canyon and I'm completely on edge. Children have this sixth sense when parents are on edge. When they sense that, they amp up the questions, amp up the arguing and the whining, and I got to go potty, and I can't hold it, and I'm going to poo myself. And at the absolute worst moments, they just let all chaos just break loose. When I'm on edge for fear of my life from driving on the side of a mountain in the pitch darkness, (laughs) the patient, gentle wife, and mommy and me goes right out the window. Aw, pineapple. There's nothing to talk about until we get to a safe place. Until we get off the edge of this mountain and we're in a well-lit area. There's nothing to talk about. That is unless you want me to bite your head off and, and turn into the manic mommy. And hubby learned that early in our marriage. <laughs> By the time we made it to our hotel that night, the kids jumped out the car. They were hungry, cranky, crying and fussing. They were doing all that. It was it was quite the scene. It was a spectacle. They were all crying in unison as if they were trying to compete for who could be the loudest and produce the most tears and be the most obnoxious. Other families in the lobby were observing our spectacle. Uh, us piling out the car. They're probably counting the bodies. One, two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> It was a mess and it was not a good look. But at that time, I don't care. Hubby was clearly boiling over. It was all over his face. So I, I, you know, I didn't want to engage him in this chaos. His face told me, don't talk to me until I get something to eat. And I settled down in the hotel. (laughs) And the girls and I went, went, you know, we would go check in and he would go park the car. And then the dominoes fell. At the front desk of the hotel lobby, here's Afia. Mom, I'm hungry. Now, she's 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 most like her dad. When she gets hungry, <laughs> she's like the football player from that Snickers commercial. She just turns into a different person. <laughs> and she's just violent sometimes with her demeanor. It's just, it's, she acts out of character. Let's just put it that way. So Afia's like, Mom, I'm hungry. And... I'm looking at her like, little girl, watch your tone. We're going to check in and find something to eat. You're just going to have to be patient. And I did that as calmly as I could muster up without having a physical reaction and popping her upside the head. And and Abigail is like, I don't want to check into the hotel. I want pizza. And then here goes Alexis Neve. She's like, no, I don't want pizza. And then here comes Autumn stop it Afia you're driving me crazy and then so now there it's just this whole cycle of just running their mouths just complaining and whining and they're all just it's 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 a, it's a mess Afia starts wailing and crying loudly because now her feelings are hurt <laughs> she's hungry she's crack cranky and now her sisters are, are coming at her so she just melts and she just starts crying and wailing like one of those kids in the grocery store that just passes out, starts screaming and kicking. Yeah, she's that child. 
And she's also the one that feeds off of the witnesses around us. So the more attention she gets from strangers, the harder she'll cry. Here's where the court of public opinion could have easily thrown the book at me. I snapped. I snapped loud enough for the girls to know I didn't care who was listening. (laughs) I'm not going to snap in the microphone right now. I'll just tell you what I said. Which one of you wants to pay for this hotel? Which one of you wants to check us in? Who got pizza money? Who wants to carry the bags upstairs? And then all of a sudden it was like cricket, cricket, cricket. They didn't say a word. And then I let my girls know all the time there are four of you and there is one of me. That means you have to be more patient than me. Close your lips. <laughs> Hubby and I are comfortable having snapping moments in public. I'm completely comfortable. I'm not hood rat ratchet with it, but I am very stern. And a little bit of my, you know, the military days come out in me. And I let them know, uh, no, we're not doing that. And I don't care who's looking. That's life. Parenting is hard. And it requires a lot of patience. And sometimes a patience from... Uh, a cup that is that's empty and you still got to be patient it is what it is we're also comfortable with the occasional marital blow-ups from the front seat of the car while the children who pretend they're not listening are visually and audibly recording us we decided early in our marriage that it was healthy and we understood the boundaries many well-intended families don't manage conflict in front of their children very well We've discovered that the results of not managing conflict in front of children results in adults who are constantly on edge, deal poorly with tension and get, get anxious silently. You know, you ever met an adult that was, that gets kind of anxious when they're sitting in a room by themselves with other adults and is quiet and they have the need to just run their mouth and just talk to fill up space because they're nervous because they don't know how to just sit and be still And be okay with the silence. Yeah. They're also masters of small talk and forcing conversations. How about that weather? It's fine weather we're having today. (laughs) And then on the flip side, other families argue too much. And it's it's toxic. Shouting and cussing and fussing and nagging. And and the petty comments and undertone, you know, off-color jokes and stuff. And all the creative ways couples mindlessly model poor communication and conflict management skills in front of their children. The results of toxic communication are adults who retreat to the quiet and safe space in their minds for hours and sometimes days at a time, completely ignoring anyone in the vicinity. It's a coping mechanism to shut out the world when it gets too loud and too chaotic. Hubby and I understand the importance of modeling, intentionally modeling positive verbal and physical communication skills it takes intentionality to model what a healthy dispute and conflict resolution looks like in front of our children how do we do it by being honest about our life experiences and bringing those productive outcomes to the table we're also intentional about keeping dysfunction off the table i'm okay with having a pg disagreement in front of the girls but it's not crossing over into the PG 13 rated R moments. It's not going to do that. We're not going to, we're not going to do that. From my experience, that's how, that's how parents keep it real. They see the good, they see the bad, but it never crosses a line. Authenticity and transparency is key. 
With that said, we know when to push the pause button and conclude our discussion. If it starts to get, if it starts to head in a, in an undesirable direction, we believe in transparency, not toxicity. There's a difference. If we're, if our conversations in the kitchen with the satellite dishes around the corner, listening to our conversations, if it starts to get a little off PG 13 and into another rated version of what we're talking about, I know when to push that button and we'll go and we'll handle that behind closed doors. But we also know that if the argument starts in front of the children, it needs to end well in front of them also. Otherwise, there's a gap in their understanding that their little minds and emotions are free to draw their own conclusions concerning the state of our union. And that's a perfect playground for the enemy to get in their heads and plant seeds of insecurity, doubt, worry, and fear. Like, what's wrong with mom and dad? They, they had it out in the kitchen. They went behind closed doors. We don't know what happened. They come out and they're smiling. Is everything okay? <laughs> there is stability and authenticity and in demonstrating to our children that we're just as flawed as, as they are. When they say the wrong things or, or have a misstep in their behavior, we're the same people. We just happen to be adults and your your children. Hubby is all about modeling loving and affectionate reconciliation after a PG blow up. He buys me flowers, gets on one knee and asks me on a date or verbally reminds me why he chose me as his wife. And our daughters just eat it up. He's really good at laying on the romance. Thick. (laughs) I'm an acts of service kind of girl. That's how I show my affection. I'll give him a haircut and a beard lineup. That would normally cost about $70 plus a tip at, um, at a barbershop. And my, my, my girls see me loving on my husband, even after we have heated fellowship as Priscilla Shire calls it, they know that, oh, okay, that's, you know, that they still love each other and they're still committed and it's all good. Again, our children see us catering and loving each other, even when we don't agree. They know mommy and daddy are going to talk things out no matter how uncomfortable and we're going to resolve any and all differences that we may have. So we're still united and we're still a team and I want them to take what they're witnessing and what they're observing and us and I want them to mimic that when they get into relationships, when they get married, when they have children. Modeling healthy discourse in front of children builds a sense of security. The girls aren't, they're not alarmed if a heated conversation, not an argument, just a conversation breaks out at the breakfast table. As they get older, their instincts won't be to avoid conflict. Instead, they learn how to confidently and appropriately communicate, diffuse troublesome situations and seek reconciliation quickly. I mean, the way my children are set up, they like to weigh in on the conversations of hubby and I are going at it at the breakfast table. And They're more interested in the content versus the seemingly tense feelings that they're having when I get hype, hubby get hype. We start to, you know, have a debate or whatnot at the table. It doesn't make them clam up. They want to know, whoa, let me weigh on and weigh in on this. And I know it's building emotional intelligence for them. I know this because I already raised it. We already raised a 20 year old. And he's emotionally intelligent. And the same things are happening with our daughters. 
The results of fostering that type of family and communication dynamic are balanced and measured children who, who have that emotional intelligence to navigate the things that are difficult. They don't cry instantly when they experience a little pressure. They aren't weak-willed or emotionally fickle humans for their age. And I'm proud of our 20-year-old. He scares me sometimes. He does not hold back from the conversation and he loves to call things out. I got to be on my toes with him because even as an adult, he's still watching me and he's still going to ask questions and he's still going to be like, yo, mom, what's up with that? You know, he has a warrior's heart and I love it. Micaiah had definitely, he was definitely our trial and error baby. I could do a case study on, on what we learned to do and what not to do when we were raising him both when I was a single parent the first 10 years of his life and then the remaining years of his childhood when I married my husband. We parent our girls based on what we learned from those 18 years with Micaiah. The Bible is our template for raising our children and Micaiah was definitely our case study (laughs) for, okay, check. We raised it. We raised him. He turned out pretty good. Okay. We think we can do this about four more times. So the world watches. Our children are our world. I say that loosely for a brief season. And they're watching us picking, picking our marriage apart, taking cues from what's appropriate and what's desirable, what they want, what they don't want. In the public sphere, there are cameras everywhere. Social media is a bully's playground and it's the enemy's playground also. And parents don't have the room that we had even 10 years ago to make honest mistakes in public. Everything said and done can go against you in the court of public opinion called the internet (laughs) forever. Hubby and I aren't nearly as concerned with the reality of that compared to the reality of our world at home, our children who are always watching us. We are more concerned with how our children will reflect on, on their childhood and think of us when, when they're older, when they have children and when they're in their marriages. We, we want them to reflect back on our example, um, the conversations that we had and how intentional we were and hopefully know that we did all that very intentionally for their benefit. We want to do right by them. Are we perfect? Nope. And they're going to know that. And hopefully they'll default to that. You know, our parents aren't perfect, but man, they did their due diligence in loving, teaching and training us for a very harsh and chaotic world. It is my constant prayer and petition to God that they grow up to have a deep affection, appreciation and love for us through the different seasons of their life, knowing they have everything they need in the different seasons of their life to navigate through them gracefully because of what we did at home during their childhood season. Here's an AC Pearl to wrap up the segment. Capitalize on the exposure. I know my children are watching me like a hawk, so I strategize on what they're watching. If I'm the TV that they're they're watching, I'm going to make sure they have something very intentional to watch. I want to make it as educational and informative as possible. If you go to my IG page at ACS Visions, you'll see an eight parts of speech reel I created to help them learn the eight parts of speech. That's just an example of the kind of content that I create for my children. That's probably like a 30 second reel, but I create lesson plans at home for them to watch. 
I also create fun videos for them and add it to their educational playlist on YouTube along with some other videos um, that I make for them. None of those educational videos are public, so don't go looking for those. It's so much fun creating that kind of content. It frees me up from having to teach the same lessons over and over. And I know my girls are watching me. They're watching me make that content. They're watching me pour over their lessons and and research what I'm going to do and creatively think of how I'm going to um, create these videos and create these little puppets and all the fun stuff I do at home for them, for their, for their upbringing, the, the million and one things I have to teach them. They, they see me creating their content and it's so much fun for me. <laughs> it's enjoyable. They're not, it's not dry and yeah, they love it. It also helps them to become more autonomous in their study habits and they start to mimic the kind of language that I use in those, in the videos that they're watching over and over and over again. I'm actually relearning some of the content myself. So as I'm fact checking and making sure I source the, my content well, as far as the information, it really helps me too. So everyone's kind of winning on, on that front. Here's the best part. My children see me creating those educational videos and they're not going to have to reinvent the wheel when they're older. They have childhood memories. I save all of the, the videos and fun stuff that I create on YouTube. So they can look back when they're older and show their children. And it's just, just all around fun tools to add to the legacy box. That's how I capitalize on my children's ever watching eyes. Every home is different. So I want to encourage parents out there to find out, find what works for you. I'm just excited to share what works for me. But every parent and every home is different. You got to find out what works for you. You know, they say, Bad publicity is still publicity. (laughs) If I translate that to my work in ministry at home, that's how I capitalize on the media. That's our children and the exposure of them always watching. That's how I capitalize on the exposure. We can take that same idea and reject the bad, keep the useful and apply it to our, our home and family. The world is watching parents capitalize on the exposure. All right, that concludes the conversation for today. I trust the podcast encourages you to continue the conversation in your family circle. Stop by my IG and Facebook page at ACS Visions. Show me some love, share your comments on the episode and how this podcast is encouraging you. You can also visit my website at www.acsvisions.com. You'll find a link to send me an email if you'd like to show your support that way. As a reminder, episodes are published every Thursday. Be sure to like, subscribe, and follow on your favorite podcasting platform so you get notified the moment a new episode drops. Thank you for listening to the AC Visions Family Talk Podcast. Until next time.